hey, welcome to Mentally Chill. Thanks for listening. Thanks for rating. Thanks for sharing the show with that new friend you made just to share the show with. Today's episode, I am hanging with my friend Maddie Goldberg, who is a comedian and also a brain tumor survivor, which has deeply affected his life in so many ways. We don't touch upon it as much as I wanted to get into, but Maddie lost uh, use basically of the right side of his body and has gone through so much. But we talk about how he also lost a friend and that friend also hosted a podcast with him. So we talk a lot about that and uh, a lot of other things. So before I start, of course, I have to thank my Patreon peeps. I like when the names get creative. Like, uh, thank you to Cuck McNuggets. Thank you for upgrading. Thank you to Tay Chess. Thanks, Aaron. Aaron S., you know who you are, if you're still listening. And Vazzy G. Thank you so much, guys. You guys are awesome. If anyone else wants to donate to the show, you can find it on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash mentally chill. But until then, please enjoy the show. Hey, welcome to Mentally Chill, the least chillest chill podcast on the internet. I'm here with Maddie Goldberg. Maddie had a podcast called Certified Insanity. You said it wasn't available to listen to anymore. No, we didn't pay the, the bill. So we just it's such like, a Fuck cheap it. bill. Even I could pay it. I know. What are you doing? We had these crazy fans, too, that like this one woman said she sleeps every night listening to episodes and she was like really hooked on like our stories. And I get Jason th- and I Kevin. get that also. And it, yeah. it make, it's really cool, but also kind of confuses me. Well, it's it's weird because like these people like just like fall for like Kevin's personality or Jason's personality. Not necessarily mine because I was more like the ringleader and like yeah, trying to bring everybody's best stories out. So I p- kind of played the straight guy, even though I could totally be the insane guy. Um, you did a good job of doing that, though. Yeah. But so for everyone um, listening, the the reason we're t- really talking about it is because uh, Maddie and I have something really in common, which yeah. is his co-host, Kevin, passed away also. Yeah, he died in October 2000 and I'm going to say 15. Kevin lived in Connecticut, so I met him in New York, and we recorded the podcast. I would call him before we would record, like I'd, you know, he'd FaceTime so he could see his face, because he was always great. Because he would sometimes like be in bed or like wear sunglasses in his room or like just he always had this like amazing not give a shit but giving a shit, you know, like very calculating is not giving a shit. Yeah, and we didn't know he passed away, and we recorded an episode because we had a guest. And we were calling him and calling him, you know, and it was pretty intense because you never expect something like you're going to get an email later that day, like from a friend, like, listen, Kevin passed away. No, I know. My What happened with me when I found out with Stevie that morning, I had taken my dog to like a, I was looking for a dog park mm. and I couldn't find it. So I ended up going to this random park and I was listening to this song that I love. It's a Billie Holiday song. Yeah. And I kind of was playing it on repeat, but at the same time I sent her a few text messages. Oh, that's brutal, right? And, yeah. And she wasn't responding. And then mm. I said to my intern, Hey, can you send her a text? I don't want to annoy her because it was about our podcast. Sure. And so she was doing all the editing. So I was texting her and I just said, Hey, hate to be annoying. I know you're, you're probably with your parents because her grandpa um, yeah, had passed and stuff and, um, she wasn't writing back. So then day sent her a message and she didn't write back today. And then that night, obviously I found out what happened. 
or that it, or the next night. Yeah, it was the next night I found out. But mm-hmm. now we can't listen to that Billie Holiday song. It's yeah. Am I Blue, which mm. is kind of fitting. Yeah. Love that song. And it came through on my playlist the other day and I had to skip over it. Sure. I mean, you'll always remember like where you were or what you were watching or something. And, you know, yeah. I, I had a brain tumor. So like I remember what I was wearing when I got diagnosed like when they brought me in like you have a brain tumor i remember the shirt i was wearing and i never wore that shirt ever again really just because i thought it was bad luck yeah so i know like what it's you know hearing that type of news i've heard it a few times in my life especially out of nowhere is absolutely when i heard kevin died i was ready to do stand-up i was like about to go up and then i got the email I, i was like just flipping through my phone yeah and I just told the person, I'm like, look, I'm going home. Like something really bad happened and uh, I just don't want to perform. And then I just was like in a car, just like, and I just stunned. So Kevin died of a drug overdose mm-hmm. and he was using drugs because of his depression. Um, I'm going to say he was an extremely depressed person that was years ago maybe 2000 like the mid 2000s he had a very bad heroin problem but he was always depressed and he beat it and then he would go through these really bouts of depression and i think he always knew like if i take heroin like it can help me with this or it can numb the pain and i think the pain of like being sad or being like having extreme anxiety of not being able to leave his house led to him getting back into drugs. Like depression equaled drug use in a sense of like killing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, I, one of the things I always regret was like one of the funny things on the podcast was like, you know, let's try to get you a girlfriend. Let's try to get you on a date. And he was just like, no. And I was like, why wouldn't you want to do that? You know, you're, you're a lovable, good looking guy. And I didn't realize for him to like, just get out of the house like how many Xanaxes it took, you know, like how tough it was for him to get out of his bed. You didn't realize that until after he died? Yeah, it took expense. I I, I I, regret, you know, kind of pushing that on him and like, you know, like, you know, like you got to do something. You're so talented because I don't, you know, you really don't know like how hard it is for somebody that's dealing with like deep depression. Yeah. I mean, it's so to easy. get out of their house. It's so easy to mask. Um, like for example, for me today, yeah. I can't, w- I can't wake up. I, sure. I can't wake up. I can't get out of bed. And I, uh, and then, then I, then I hit the moment where I have no choice and I have mm-hmm. to, I have to keep moving. Yeah. But the me from a couple hours ago to the me now, like I just look like a normal girl who's like, oh, I have makeup on and I look normal. Yeah. But the hours leading into this, it's like, I'm a totally different person. So no one would know walking down the street sure how i'm feeling well so you you never know well that's the thing about you is like when i first i didn't know you but i was in a comedy kind of thing with you and i don't take this wrong way yeah no you told me like many I, thought times. You were, I thought you were kind of like an asshole oh, of so course. I, thought, I thought you were like oh this girl's so standoffish but then when so i got funny. to when so i funny. when i got to know you i'm like no you're just very like don't take this the wrong way but insecure in the sense of like you assume people aren't going to like you, so therefore you put a wall. Oh, yeah, totally. And I thought you were just like this kind of stuck-up girl, <laughs> and I was totally wrong. And that's a kind of I've, – I've had that problem too of like people assume like 
I don't like them or something and I'm but I'm just very insecure and I'm like I assume that they don't like me so I'm gonna put up this weird wall but it's nothing to be like a stuck up jerk or anything yeah yeah and we really sometimes don't know like what people feel like Kevin used to say to me like I cried myself to sleep last night and I just never I never understood that like I was just like that's silly or like I don't fucking get that or like yeah. why would you do that like why are you crying yourself to bed like one of the weirdest things I've had with Kevin right before he passed is we got in this major fight. And it was mainly because, he, you know, he slipped doing drugs that he was clean for for seven years. And then he was like, you know, I blew all those years. But he wanted to get in a fight with me because it felt like for him to get in a fight with one of his most loyal friends... What it, it validated that he could do drugs in the sense that like everybody turned their back on me. Yeah. And gave him permission in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Like he was shocked that I would, when he told me he slept that I was like, dude, I love you. You're going to be okay. Let's fight this every day. But one of the things when we were fighting, he sent me this, uh, is it a meme? Yeah. Okay. A meme. And it said something like when you have cancer, everybody feels sorry for you. When you have mental illness, you're a lazy piece of shit. Yes. I've seen that meme. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and even though I was so mad at him because he was pushing my button so hard, like that did hit me. And I'm like, these are things that like, it sounds easy to get out of bed, but when you're going through shit, it's not easy to get out of bed. And it's like something that you can't explain to people. I can't, especially to people who've never experienced anything yeah. like it before. Because some people will look at you and be like, you have nothing to complain about. You're living a right. good life, blah, blah, blah. You, know, you gotta do this. But like, Nobody really knows how the human brain works. Yeah. And it feels like my brain doesn't function, especially in the early mornings. Like it, it's not numb or yeah. it's off. It doesn't exist. It's what like time this do you weird... go to bed? I can go to bed at 10 p.m. or I can go to bed at 2 a.m. No matter yeah. what time I go to bed. When it t comes time to wake up, I want nothing more than to not do it. Well, I don't think, I mean, I'm not a doctor or anything, but I would just say like, you know, do your thing. Like, you, there's no pressure. The world is so fucked up right now that there's like, you have no obligation to owe anybody to wake up. I know. And for the longest time, I felt like I did. And I'm like, I'm a, I'm a loser if I do this. I'm wasting my life right now. So we're going to talk about this too. The, yeah. With like coming off of antidepressants. Sure. I haven't. I talked about it on a, an episode around Christmas time. Um. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did the episode alone. And you know, it's like my experience is going to change because week to week it's going to be different yeah because you're you know in a different point of the coming off of it sure and so I talked about it alone and what I was experiencing at that point was moodiness and irritability oh yeah which is out of character for me I'm really not I get annoyed by bad drivers and assholes but not just like family members like I don't just like bicker with people I love yeah and while I was home I just felt so irritable and any, any, like anything was bothering me. Anything could kind of push me over the edge, but now I'm past that. And where I am is just now feeling absolutely just like numb and dead. And so I'm like, I feel like I should probably get back on antidepressants. There was a time in my life I was super, super depressed and they put me on Paxil and I saw, I used to see a therapist and I was on it for like eight, 10 months or something. And then I quit just cold Turkey. I'm like, fuck it. I don't want to take these anymore. Yeah. And I go in there and I'm like, so I haven't taken Paxil for like three days. And he hit the look on his face. Disgusted? He, no, like he's like, you're going to die. He's like shocked. Like he's like, you just can't quit him cold turkey. 
And I remember it was like 100 degrees. I was living in New York City and I was freezing for like two weeks. Mm, yeah. For two weeks. I mean, I wasn't like angry, you but I was freezing. You saved on your AC bill. Yeah. Right? I hate AC. <laughs> but I was so fucking cold. Like it was like winter and it was the hot summer. And they do. Or it was just the people in New York, their energy yeah. toward, you, toward you. But they do like, you know, going cold turkey or like quitting a certain way or like not being on your meds. Like it will certainly put you in moody moods. Like I was on steroids for surgery and steroids definitely made me really angry and short and stuff like that. Short temper. And, <laughs> and they can make you short too. Yeah. Well, I'm short <laughs> anyway. So, and you were on, this is the surgery you're talking about for your, um, for brain, your brain tumor. tumor. Yeah. So, I mean, <sighs> wait, I'm confused. Yeah. You had a brain tumor and a stroke. No, I never had a stroke. Oh, okay. I was thinking you had a stroke also. No. Just the brain tumor. Okay. But I, I had like, two surgeries. That, I was like, what did you do in your past life to get such bad luck? Were you a shitty what did person? I, well, no, what I'm did kidding. I do in my past, my life to lose two best friends and have a brain tumor and right. lose all this feeling in my body? But I'm pretty, uh, you know, I'm happy. That's awesome. Like, I used to be so mad. I used to listen to the scariest death metal and... <laughs> And I walk it's, alone sometimes with I feel my like, Walkman on and just like, fuck the world. Sometimes someone who would listen to death metal would make like intimidate me, but you listening yeah. to death metal more makes me feel like, oh, that's adorable. You know, you would be surprised when I would go to these shows and the band would look like these scary Norwegian Vikings. Yeah. And then the crowd would all look like me, like all these nerdy guys with glasses. <laughs> and they would just be like this. <laughs> but there's something about like that angry music was like yeah. beautiful for all these like lonely guys yeah. that like couldn't really fit in. Yeah. So well, I was when I was, I was a teenager. I mean, I I took the like Nirvana route. Yeah. You know, because I felt like sure rebe- it was like my rebellious. Yeah. Kurt Cobain yeah. spoke for me, man. Yes. Yeah. No one gets me. Yeah. We talked about too. Like I thought I always find you interesting too because like we I doing your other podcast and you said like you were not attractive as a child and I was like every girl says that and then you show me a picture <laughs> and, and you really weren't. Yeah, I'm and legit. I, I'm the real like, deal. I like, was an ugly, ugly child. Yeah. I remember girls that look like you as kids and like not only were kids mean to them, but like adults you know, were too. teachers. Yeah. Teachers were so mean to me because it's it's still like this weird popularity race where like the good looking kids kind of become the teacher's pet. I remember I yeah. was never a teacher's pet. And there was like this kid, Luke, that all the teachers loved and he was a good looking kid, you know, and they kissed his ass and shit and. I could just see like what you went through and it's like brutal. Yeah. Well, when I was home for uh, Christmas, I never go out when I'm home ever. But a friend of mine convinced me to go yeah. out and I did. And when I walked into this, it's like, it's the like, bar. It, I walked into the bar and it is, it looks like a set from a movie. It's like, yeah. So cliche looking, but when I went, when I walked in, there was like a group of middle-aged women kind of dancing, letting loose. And they were probably shocked to see you. Well, they didn't even look at me. And I actually, I was really glad, but I knew one of the women and it was my art teacher from elementary school Mm. and I couldn't believe it. And I've talked about her in therapy so many times. She was so, she was not necessarily mean to me. She was so dismissive to me. And was she nice now? She didn't see me, but I wanted, I said to my friend, I was like, should I go up to her and tell her that I've talked about her in therapy like for years? But basically, um, she, I was bad at math. I was bad at, bad at science. I wasn't smart. And then what I thought I had was the arts. So my art teacher, I was like putting my faith in her to Mm -hmm. see me, to like see that I had some, like some redeeming quality. And I remember my I'm not a great artist by any means, but I was just as good as the other kids or just as bad as all the other kids. And she would never, ever put my art on the wall. 
You ever ever. Seen the movie, you ever see the movie Ghost World? No. You have to see that movie. What is it? What's it about? It's about a girl who... So her and this other girl, they're kind of like these weirdo outsiders in school. Yeah. And they seal, you know, those like uh, misconnections ads. Yes. This guy writes one they think is so pathetic. And it's Steve Buscemi like saying he saw this girl. So they pretend it's this girl. Oh, that's cool. That's a cool concept. And then he shows up to this diner and then she doesn't show up. He's just this like mess of a loser, like sad, lonely guy. And one of the girls like, falls for him and then she could becomes obsessed with steve buscemi and he's just this weirdo loner but she yeah. has to go to art class for summer school because she didn't go and there's like this weirdo art teacher and it's just kind of like she's obviously the best artist but the teacher doesn't like her because she's so out there right right so you you love this movie oh, i should watch it ghost world yeah I should it's watch one of my it. favorite movies she well, it's kind of a somewhat similar situation. Not that I was out there, but I wasn't a cool kid, and so yeah. she wouldn't look at me. She wouldn't. It was like she wouldn't acknowledge me. She wouldn't. She every time it was the same girl, same kids artwork on the wall. About this in therapy? I've talked about this in therapy. I actually wrote her a letter, her and my music teacher, because those are the two people that I wanted to see me, and, and they, they would send, not see me. They ever send anything back to you? No. Oh, I didn't send the letter. I just wrote it. So it's like an exercise. Yeah, like an exercise. And I wanted to tell her when I was home because now I'm like. You know, I'm kind of at that point where I feel like I could do it in a jokey way, but she's yeah. not, I don't think, funny enough to... You know, I wasn't really cool in high school. I mean, I don't know if you believe that or not, but <laughs> I wasn't. But like, Shocked. I, I, a lot of my stand-up drive when I started was out of revenge, and it was out of like... Same. You know, like I wanted to prove these people so bad that I was somebody, but it, I don't know, it didn't really... After a it while, it lost it luster. Yeah. yeah, it's like a momentarily happy thing that yeah. will not last and sure. it's a dangerous foundation there's no foundation to it i have experienced exactly what you're saying which is kind of like that like you get the moment where you're like yeah this cool this feels cool this feels good and then it goes away because once you're back to your regular life and you're, they're you're not, in competition with some like serious industry and people and yeah now like i feel that. vengeance toward like industry people i'm yeah. like i ah, forget the high school people now sure. i want to prove but we were talking about this on the last podcast my with uh, the guest aaron schwartz we were saying like what is the motivate like what is good mo motivation and normal motivation versus like this type of motivation you know like do real do people actually just have this internal motivation without these outside influences like vengeance and re revenge and stuff like that and i'm like i i guess but i couldn't imagine having that <laughs> even though maybe i think i have and i said to him on the show i think i have part of it is an internal motivation than a lot of yeah. the external motivation and and a really good friend of mine, everything that he's done, he's written two books. Sure. He's shot a movie. Yeah. He's done all of these things. And every single one of it, he's told me straight up, is to prove people wrong. Yeah. I mean, that's and great. he's satisfied and happy, though. It's like, it's yeah. not like a, to him, he doesn't fall off the cliff or sure. anything. It's slippery. And I, I mean, whatever works for people that I can't, I'm not going to judge because I certainly was one of those people like, I want to show those motherfuckers, yeah. you know, like I want to show the people in high school that like doubted me and like, well, just think about fun of me that like I can do something like, and they're, and they're cowards because they would love to do what I'm doing and they don't have the balls right. to do it. But imagine all, think of all the things that are in the world right now because, pe because of spite. 
because of the beautiful thing of spite. Like maybe uh, uh, SpaceX wouldn't be here if what's his, like maybe he had spite. Maybe yeah. I mean he's I mean, really smart, but like it's a great motivation. Maybe in the a guy sense. who invented the TV. Maybe yeah. he was like, I'll prove them wrong. Sure. So I mean, in a good way, it's a great thing to have. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a great motivation, but it also can be like, what can I do to succeed faster? Right. As opposed to like, what is the best like act or art I can put up there. Yeah, I guess it's basically what we're talking about is happiness in the short term versus happiness in the long term. So I think if you think long and hard about what you really want to do and why you really want to do it, and then you do that, yeah, you know, in 30 years, you'll probably be more at ease with yourself sure. versus taking the route that either you are taking or have taken or I've taken, yeah. which is this kind of like quick fix of like proving someone wrong. Not that I'm saying I don't enjoy this stuff. Yeah. But um, I mean, my best cure too for depression was doing comedy in the sense that like I didn't have time to think about how sad I could be I mean there's definitely moments that I was like a depressed ball of mud but yeah. like well it's the stand-up comedy thing is that for me is a very in my brain a very sensitive topic because sure. I haven't been on stage in like a year now yeah I feel like I'm better off not doing it, but it's my depression speaking because when I'm not feeling depressed and I think back on bits that I've really liked of mine, I'm like, God, I'm like, I'm, what am I doing? I'm letting the depression win and staying off stage when I feel like I can't decide whether I should be a, be a comedian or whether I should not be a comedian. Cause I, I hate the process so deeply, Yeah, I hate but I, but I love being on stage so sure. much. You know, it is a, it is a tough process and it's like, I get really nervous before I go on stage and it's like, sometimes it's like easier like to say, fuck it. I'll cancel a show sometimes. Cause I'm just like, I just don't want to go through the anxiety. Me too. I would cancel occasionally, but the amount of anxiety I'd go through. It's, it's like, I'm going to have, I have a show tonight. I have tons of anxiety. Just yeah. And you were saying you've been on stage in a while. And I'm just like, ugh, like if I suck, it's just going to feel so weird. And it's like, you go out there and you don't know when you're going up and, it's a and weird the person room. you don't know the person who's gonna go before you. Maybe yeah. they could change the energy in the room. Like there's sure. so much stuff you can't control. Yeah. But have you ever heard of propanolol? I don't know if drug? I'm saying it right. Yeah. No. I heard about it years ago from listening to a Dr. Drew show. Yeah. And he talked about how performers use propanolol to ease their anxiety. Mm. It's not like a Xanax type of anti-anxiety because it doesn't affect yeah. you that much. It just blocks your adrenaline. And so I actually got a, a prescription for propanolol. Send me some. Uh, yeah. Wait, please <laughs> I got share. It, I got share. it a long, long time ago. And it was so, so, so subtle. But I would see a difference before I went on stage. And that's the only yeah. time I would take it. I like, I've been using the chocolate edibles. That's my thing. Yeah. See, I would get two out of, I don't, I don't smoke weed. I don't, yeah. I would be too weird. That calms I'd get me all down bizarre. for sure. Because I get, I get the edge for me help, but. Uh, I'm one of those guys. Do you that have like, to poop when you get nervous? Of course. Yeah. Who doesn't? I mean, uh, I always poop like right before I go on stage. Geez. It's like flush poop, Chris and Carney, so or poop funny. flush, not flush poop. I mean, we. I I only I always perform on an empty stomach too, so I don't. Me eat, too. So I don't eat like the whole day. No, I can't eat before. I would never eat before I went on stage. And then, and then I'm like, I'm almost gonna faint because I'm so hungry yeah. after the show. <laughs> you know, there is extreme anxiety and it's like well i would have nightmares over and over if we're getting material yeah. going to do a show and i don't and i'm like i don't have a set yeah um but you said that you when you first saw me you were like oh she seems like a bitch or whatever yeah it was probably because it was at a show and i yes. was so 
fucking yeah. nervous. Yeah. And I can't, it's like, I go to the show. I'm so nervous. I'm so anxious. I'm so uncomfortable. I have to poop and yeah. I avoid everyone. And I size everyone up in the room and, yeah. and I am convinced Everyone in this room is so much funnier than me. And, and I'm you, also convinced that every single person in this audience hates me. What did you think about uh, when you first saw me? Did you think I was an idiot? No. I you, thought you thought I was an idiot. Do you? I don't remember when we first met. We were at that were we at three of clubs? Com- like a comedy competition or something. Oh, yes. What I remember, I mean, I don't remember that moment, but what I remember about you is like, even I would think someone like you would hate me because I'm not like, I would be like, oh, he, he's like quirky and like, Jewish and whatever and oh, yeah. I'd be like I'm not any of that enough for this person yeah I thought you were like some really like oh this girl <laughs> I totally had the wrong impression of you because I was like this girl like you know shops in West Hollywood oh, and like so a, you know like so like has no time for like you know the, the weirdos of the world and I'm like why is she even doing stand up right like? I and I'm so frustrated there's some girls that are okay with it. Like yeah. there's like comedian girls that don't look like comedians sure. and they're totally g- great with it and they work yeah. it and that's their yeah. thing. I'm not, th- that's not me. The audience is so, they're usually drinking and they have such low self attention. Like they're, they're, they're not aware they're, of themselves. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, they're not like, we want to focus on this person. It's just like, make me laugh. Motherfucker. Exactly. You know, exactly. But I, and I, this chick with long hair. Yeah. And eye makeup on is probably not going to do it for me. So it's like I have to, you you know, as a as a girl, you really have to fight that. And there's some sure. girls that are that are not as in their head. Yeah. And that it, that they're like, this is who I am, and I don't care. Fuck it. Whereas for me, I'm like, this is who I am, and I'm sorry, and I'm sorry, and I'm sorry. How can I change it? How can I not be me? I mean, I had a therapist once. You know, I told some stuff about my dad, and I had a very love-hate relationship with my dad, and I was young, and I was going through a tough time in life where I was in a shitty job, and I was having, like, girls were just treating me like shit, like, they were just, like, you know, kind of, like, giving me the runaround, and he would be like, how does it make you feel? And I was just like, "Yeah, it's just life, that's the way my life is, you know? And it was like, he would actually call like girls cunts or <laughs> what like an call, awesome therapist. Yeah. But the point was, was he was like, can I have his number? Yeah. He was great. He was in New York. He was a gay guy. Really awesome. See, that's why I need to be in New York. Yeah. I can't find a therapist like that out here. But he, but the point with him was, this was like, it's okay to be fucking mad at people. It's okay to like, be like, fuck you. You know, yeah. it's okay to like, Fuck you, I'm but above it. But it's the it. fuck you and then letting it go. The letting it yeah. go part is where I struggle. And and the porn, the part with he was trying to fix with me is the woe is me attitude. Yeah. So like woe is Maddie. Like this girl used to make fun of me. She used to do it when I would like be sad and like complain about comedy. I was just starting comedy out and I was like, you know, they bumped me or this guy was a dick to me or yeah. this, you know. And she would go, woe is Maddie. <laughs> and she was being a dick, but at the same time, it's also like, like yeah like like nobody wants to fucking hear it you know right and i'm not saying like i'm not trying to sh- take a shot at you or anything i'm just saying like i think when you finally beat the elementary and the high school shit and you finally like have overcome all that stuff and like you're above all that shit and you don't feel like you're that you know 10 year old girl that like kids are like picking on and saying shit to and you know, once you finally beat that, like there's going to open up so much like awesome things for you. Yeah. I mean, I feelings. Yeah. I'll have like tiny little glimpses of it where I'm like, Oh wait, I could see how that could happen. And then I go right back into my head. Yeah. But you were saying like the, what was Maddie stuff? I doing this podcast. I'm like, 
I, I wonder if I joined in, didn't have depression and it was just like, Hey chick, get over it. Move on. Like I, I feel guilty and self-conscious for being so, um, what was me in a, especially in a public yeah. forum. There's part and of me that's very uncomfortable with it. Sure. But then there's part of me that's like, well, I like talking and it's but good for people. But nobody will get that, especially you. Get what? The woe is me stuff. Unfortunately, a lot of people won't get no, I, that. No, and I don't want, what I'm saying is like, I'm torn because it's like, in one sense, yeah. I think Kristen, shut up and stop talking about it and move yeah. on and grow up and mm -hmm. get some, get some confidence. And sure. it's your 34, like it's time. Yeah. But then the other part of me is like, no, it's a conversation that people need to have. And by me being open, it's, it may, makes it more relatable and all that kind of stuff. So I struggle. So when I do this, I'm like, I, a lot of the time I really don't want to talk about myself because it's going to be like, oh, more of like, oh, poor Kristen. Yeah. She's got it tough. She like is cute and can't do comedy. Yeah. You know, like, well, that's so I mean, I feel people, that way. I mean, that goes right back to Kevin because of Kevin, when he would, and I, I struggle with this because I think about him a lot, but like when he would say like, I cried like to last night, I cried myself to sleep yeah. and I was like, all right, whatever. Who gives a shit? You know, I never said it like that, but I was yeah. just like, so what do you think of the Mets game? But you how know? come that I understand your response, but I also don't understand your response because you've had depression yeah. and you said you used to be super depressed well, and you, you write beat it, essays about yeah, but when being you, alone. Yeah. But when you beat it, you don't understand it. I anymore. know. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I've talked about that on the show where yeah. when I'm, Right when Stevie and I started taping, I was going to the gym a lot and like sure. everything was seeming to be, it was, I was struggling still, but yeah. it was more of a flow. And I was like, how could someone not want to go to the gym? And now I'm in that place where I, I'm, I'm kind of pushing myself to go because I know I need it. Mm -hmm. But it's like, I for, I forgot in those moments because I wasn't feeling yeah. the depression that I had normally felt. I forgot how hard it could be to just even get out of bed. I mean, there was so you times, do forget. It's weird how you, yeah. quickly you move on. There was times I might have been suicidal at like 21 or something or 22. And then like I've never felt suicidal since then. And then, you know, and if somebody told me they were suicidal, I wouldn't understand right. it. Right. But I've been there. Right. And And that's what's weird about it is like, Sure, like you should have more compassion, but for some reason your brain like tricks you not to have that compassion we're and all then you really, stop forgetting about it. Yeah, I guess we're really all only aware of our own experience in the moment. Yeah. And so it's hard to empathize, even though you may think you're an empathetic person, you don't really get it. And it's not yeah. because it's your it's not your fault. It's just sure. the way the brain works. I mean, one time my girlfriend lives in her family's from Connecticut, so Kevin came to visit me there. You know, he told me after, like, he left, he's like, to get to her house just to get out, I had to take, like, I don't know, like, four or five Xanaxes or something. And then yeah. he was drinking like crazy there. So, like, all this, like, anxiety that I don't understand, like, for him to get out of bed was, like, so freaking intense. Yeah. And, like, you know, you don't understand it. Because it's it's like, oh, most people just like are spontaneous and like, hey, you want to go skiing today? And they're like, fuck yeah. And they put their fucking right. ski shit on. They go. But for a lot of people, it's like to do something. It's like the mind, like the mental preparation takes forever. Well, for example, I have lived here for almost 10 years and I posted on Facebook about a year and a half ago. I want to join. I've lived here for this long. I used to live in Santa Monica, like on the beach. 
And I, for the longest time, I just, I love playing volleyball and I wanted to play beach mm. volleyball. And I'd walk by all of these people playing beach volleyball. And I'm like, how did you all find each other? How did this happen? How did this all come together? Yeah. And how do you all look so just like happy and settled? Like, how did this happen? And so I posted on Facebook um, saying like, how do I, uh, hey, hey, I want to play beach volleyball. Who in LA can recommend like how I, like a team? And Joe Prano. Yeah, he plays. Wrote and he wrote Zog Sports LA. Yeah. And so I went on there and it was so confusing. And so I was, I didn't understand. I don't, I get the emails to this day and I still have not joined a beach volleyball team. And I I've know been here they for 10 weekend, years, but I, I don't know how it works and the mental energy that it would take me to actually go meet these people and like figure out how, what team I belong on and how yeah. much I'd have to pay. And sure, like, what sure. if I couldn't, what if that day I didn't want to go because I was feeling depressed? Like how I, how would I tell them I'm mm. not coming? And so, so basically I've for 10 years because of the anxiety, not the anxiety as much as the depression, I haven't played beach volleyball and that's all I've wanted to do for 10 years. And, and I know I'm going to leave LA and I'm going to be so mad at myself because I had I 10 years and this, I never played beach volleyball. I can get you in the league in two weekends. All right. I'm guaranteed. I'm there. All right. I'm in and then I'll cancel. Yeah, Guaranteed. but you should, but like, it would be funny because, like, I can see you there, like, assuming everybody hates you mm-hmm. and you're the weirdo and you're going to be all quiet and afraid to talk. And then everybody's going to be like, it's sad because they might be like, man, that girl's kind of stuck up and they're, <laughs> they're not going to know that you're a nice person. I've gotten better at that, by the way, because I think I've gotten, even though I'm still not good, mm-hmm. I, especially when I got here and didn't know anyone. I was really bad at the standoffish stuff. So yeah. now I'm definitely more sure. like, Hey, how's it going? I'm Kristen. Like I'm more yeah. open, but not, it's not easy, but I better at it. My first semester back after in college, after I had my brain tumor, I couldn't talk to people cause I was so scared and nervous. Cause I was, I basically sat home for like eight months recovering yeah. and I had no interaction with any people or anything. Yeah. So when I got back, you know, people could have, you know, some people did think I was a little standoffish, but I was just, I wanted to talk to people so bad. I, I was just terrified. Yeah. I didn't know how to talk to people. I was like a mouse and I was so shy. Yeah. And it's something that like, once you get over, you just feel so good. I remember I like a few, it just took a few people to embrace me and it just like opened up this like, oh my God, I'm a person again. Yeah. I actually have a story I put into a screenplay that I wrote mm. about going to, it was so traumatic for me. I was living in Chicago at the time. I had just started stand-up and uh, was deathly afraid of just everybody in general, assuming they all hated me and that I wasn't cool enough and yeah. smart enough and all that kind of stuff. Sure. And I went out with a girl who's a comedian and she's very approachable and very cool. And we went out to this bar. It was called the it was called Elbow Room in Chicago. And we got there. I couldn't believe it. I was like, I, is it, am I this, am I this awful? We were outside and the band shows up. She knew the band and they came up and they said, hey to her. And I stood there and I just kind of was trying to say like, hi back, but I didn't know anyone. And I felt really awkward. And I'm like, oh, they're cool musicians. Mm. And uh, one of the guys in the band, I was like, hey, I'm Kristen or something. He goes, you seem like a bitch. And I just, it was like out of the, out of the blue, I'd never been confronted with it. And I was like, and it made me so dam- defensive. That can damage you for a long time. Yeah. And it made me so defensive because I went, well, I'm not like I got very yeah. angry and then sure. I, I came off as a bitch. Yeah. And so then my vibe was completely wrong for the rest of the night. See, so I we, didn't see you as that bad. I just saw you somebody that was like, well, I think this guy was also a dick. Yeah. But we, so we went inside 
And I was, so now I'm like uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable in my own skin. I'm not cool enough. I don't want to be here. This guy was just super mean to me. My friend, of course, everyone loves her and is like, like hanging on every word she says. And so we go to the, so that friend and I go to the bar to get a drink and I wasn't drinking because I was driving Yeah. and there was this dude at the bar who was just like nasty. I didn't, I would never have wanted him to talk to me, but he like looked at her and then he looked at me up and down and he offered her a drink and then he goes, what about your cock blocking friend? And I was but, like, but what Kristen, the hell is going on? And I was like, I'm going. I think though you put, I don't want to be like mean. Yeah. <laughs> but like you, I don't want to be. A you can be jerk. a dick. I'm not being a dick, but I'm saying like, you'll take something that like you hold on to these things. And it's like, that guy is a drunk idiot who's just trying to get laid. Yeah. Basically you put way too much validity to something that's not said by anyone of any merit exactly yeah no I anybody know, you it. want to be around or anybody you want to be near and it's just like yeah so you, so it is at, it is getting easier as i get older sure. i mean I, again i'm not per- great by any means but I, it's gotten better because that experience i was like 23 i'm yeah. 34 you know so yeah. it's like i haven't had that again and i've learned from it but um i i think i'll probably be 60 by the time i'm totally like f off to everybody i, I don't think so I hope it'll come sooner, but I know I can see myself getting there. It's just putting the time and effort into really focusing on being that person. Um, but we're going to do some segments sure. of the show. Um, so this week we're going to do a who's sadder. It's very topical. Yeah. And you know, a lot gonna, of shit. Yeah. You know who I'm going to say, right? Um, Bob. No, never mind. I don't know. Aziz Ansari. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. So who's sadder, Aziz or grace right now yeah this moment yeah i'm gonna say aziz i think grace might be sadder and what is she sad about because i think i don't think she's getting the response that she wanted from Mm. this i mean i think right at first she got the initial reaction of like tons of media sure he's been taken down yeah but now i'm seeing the new york times even the new york times had an article saying how he he's totally not at fault here and the ashley and that's the new york times the ashley bamfield thing today was great and i saw the ashley bamfield yeah that was really well done so i think she's probably going oh shit the tide is turned. I mean, maybe she's surrounded herself in a bubble and it's like everyone's like telling her one yeah, thing. Yeah, she's in a bubble. But if she's not, I think she's the sadder one. And I, from the social media that I've put up, put out mm-hmm. there. Yeah, I saw some of the stuff you put oh up. Oh my God. I So I was sleeping and I woke up and just scrolled on my phone real quick. It was like three in the morning and I saw someone had shared an article and I read it and it was the Aziz thing. This was before it like had gotten super big. Yeah. And it was like three in the morning and my immediately my heart was pounding out of my chest because I was so angry at this girl mm-hmm. uh, and what were you angry about mostly victimizing herself sure when she's not truly a victim yeah and how much that takes away from true victims sure yeah that's and the perpetuates thing. this culture of of everyone being a victim I anyway so I, I immediately was like god damn this girl but I couldn't tweet about it it was three in the morning I wanted to go back to bed but I was already like, my it's, heart was going. It's and, a weird time too, because even as a woman to like, I would never tweet about it because as a man, like you are just like, yeah, you, as a, you're destroyed. If you, if, if a man says anything about it, you're a chauvinist and you're uh, not. And you're mansplaining. You're mansplaining. Yeah. You guys can't say anything. But even as a woman, 
like like you could get comments like you have no respect for yourself you're you're yeah. this that and it's just yeah. like like you're you're entitled to a fucking we're all entitled to fucking opinions yeah and i put like zero opinions online really yeah. whenever anything happens i either sure. make a joke but keep any real opinion out of it because yeah. i number one i know my opinion is probably not the popular hip one yeah and number two i don't feel like dealing with um with trolls i guess you'd call yeah. them but this i was so passionate about that i had to post well my my perspective that she had to take some responsibility because we can't yeah diverge like this and just have men be the enemy and women be the absolute correct because they're human beings we're both human beings so no matter what someone's always going to be bad you can be a bad woman and you can be a great woman you can be a bad man and you can be a great man there's going to be both sides to both sexes and by just saying that all men no matter if you make a sexual move and I still go along with it but it made me uncomfortable and I don't say anything and I don't take any action I don't leave I I couldn't I'm so beyond frustrated with this with this era yeah um, so I could era. not hold my tongue and then that whole day was really messed up for me because it's a lot of like well, I'll defending g- your opinion. I'll give my take on this, and I hope your fans are not. Uh, I'm I'm sure they agree with you, so they'll probably like. We agree completely. I mean, my feeling of 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 what happened is, he was very aggressive. Like he Definitely. wanted he wanted the fucker. Yeah. Like his intentions was, she's a young girl and she's hot, and I'm gonna fuck her, and I have no intention of being her boyfriend. Yeah. She probably went into it thinking there's a chance he could be my boyfriend. Well, that was the thing. They kind of dissected the letter and she gave, she got his number while she was on another date. Like she was dating a guy when he, she met him. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that So it's even a little, you know. Yeah, Like, and then like when you're in that Uber and you realize like this guy has no intention, you know, she kind of was starstruck too. He's a big star. It's cool to say like I'm, Aziz Ansari's my my boyfriend or whatever. She's in that, you know, and she's feeling a little cheap because like, you know, she was whisked through dinner mm-hmm. and, and it was very, it was not romantic in one bit. And you're feeling like shit because you're like, I was basically like just like a hookup and I wanted more. And she probably told her friend. Right. And, gonna, and it- I might get in trouble for saying this. But her friend is like, I can get my blog on the map if I fucking write this totally. thing. Babe dot. Yeah. Was it babe dot net? I think it was babe dot com. But and, if it was babe dot net, that would be amazing. Yeah. And so the person was like, you got to tell your story. You got to tell your story. And they got it out. And a lot of women go through that. I'm, and I, a lot of women, of course, their first reaction. I, one of the first tweets I saw at three in the morning when, I, when my heart was pounding yeah. was someone saying, if you think. Um, it was something like, if you think that she's to blame in this, you're an asshole. And it's like, no, it's not that black and white. I'm not an asshole. Yeah. I'm logical. Sure. And I have a different perspective on the circumstance. And yep. also the portrayal of victimhood when you're not a victim and what that does to other victims. Exactly. It, it's not on the same of like the Harvey Weinstein insanity. No, it's like... When you don't make the right decision and then you regret it, you can't yeah. then lash out at the other person sure. for your lack of a decision. It is a bad decision. And it's, uh, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Aziz. I don't, uh, and I don't even like Aziz. I've I, never liked yeah. him. He comes across to me as a total a smug, D-bag. Yeah. Smug. I don't think he's funny. I think he's way and he's overrated. Insincere. And he's But he's insincere. not a criminal. Yes. He's not a criminal. Right. I don't think that that And also his, his private life does not deserve to be like, 
you know, whatever weird sexual things he does, like, doesn't need to come out just because you're butthurt that, like, he didn't see you as a boyfriend. Right. And I would that, also love if he his career went downhill just because of his comedy not being that funny. Like, to me, that would be so much more well, satisfying. The, well, the other satisfying. thing, too, is, like, the thing about it that always bothered me is his, his, you know, I started when he started, and maybe I'm a little jealous because he just, like, shot up. But he always played the, like, I am the renaissance man that's not the pig that's better than now yes the, he's such and a hypocrite everyone I, in hollywood is a hypocrite but most, also here's yeah. the thing i say a lot about yeah. shame i think there yeah. needs to be more shame in society sure. i think we need to be embarrassed about more yeah if you don't feel shame with sex at some point in your life yeah. you're not doing it right you should feel shame at some point and i know like anyone who, who is like holistic and whatever and hippie yeah. would be like no you should never i feel like that's a part of a life experience sex is weird yeah you're 23. Sure. This is what happens. Yeah. And now you learn when you're 25 and 29. And I know for like a 23-year-old girl, it must suck. It must suck to be like, to know like, it's probably the first time in her life. Well, no, she said you guys are all the same, which which was interesting. It meant, yeah. was that a cliche or has her experience been this with men and she's done this multiple sure. times? But, but none of them have won a Golden Globe, you know? Exactly. But so anyway, so I think... Grace is sadder in this moment. I think Aziz is also incredibly sad. A lot of these guys, like the Beneflex and the whatever, like they've lived this like charmed life. How you of, just said Ben Affleck sounded I don't say like his name right. Oh my god, it sounded like um like a something to help you poop. Beneflex. This ben sounds Affleck. like a med- medicine yeah. or something. Ben, but I'm just ben saying Affleck. they've lived okay. all these years of like this weird Hollywood charm life where they're they get the everything. best and the studs and like everybody loves them. And for years, what they were doing was accepted and like almost like revered for men and women. And okay, now that's totally fucking wrong. Right. Well, I mean, I had on Spotify and I put on what's her name? Beat, who's really popular right now. Um, I'm such a nerd. I can never remember people's names. Um, Cardi B. I always forget. I don't know. Cardi B. Anyway, I put her on and then it was like shuffling. And it's like all of the rap songs are still the same like suck my dick yeah all that kind of stuff and so sure. there's like going to be a mismatch for a while where like i feel like it's still going to be cool and then it's not going to be cool at the same yeah. time and somehow we have to converge into the middle to just become normal human beings again it's hard because everything is like the left loves to eat the left so it's like eminem can put a thing up about like donald trump and then everybody tweets that was amazing just great poetry <laughs> and then the next day it's like well, you only like him because he's white and it took a white guy to rap to to get right. America to listen. Right. And then it's like, he's only, you know, and then it's like turning on him and then it like turns on them. And then it just, it just eats, everybody just eating, eating each, each other. other. You're right. That's such a great way to say it. It is. Everyone's eating each other. Eventually there will be nothing left and I will be fine with that. Um, okay. So moving on to uh, next question, the depression impression, which okay. I feel like it's a somewhat of a weird transition. Um, Dolores, I can't say her last name. Oroyden. Oroyden. Yeah. Or I can't say it. You know, I love the Cranberries' first album, and then that was when, my. That's like my favorite album. When they of got all time. into rock, I was like, "This no." Well, it's weird because I've only ever listened. I've listened to the Cranberries. Everyone else is doing it, so why can't we? Or whatever that is. Yeah. The album. I've listened to that so many times. Which songs does that have on it? Um, Linger. See, that's the better album. Zo- I think Zombie. Maybe. No, Zombie is the album I don't okay. like. Um, that's the next one. There's, and they're trying to be like rock. Yeah, it's like the dep- dreams. Dreams is on the fool for you. The album that I listened to that one um, is all full of like songs for depression. Sure. 
she um, seemed like a very depressed person and it was very very uh maybe did she have like anorexia or anything well so basically her story a little bit that i've gathered is they haven't talked about how she's died yet but Mm -hmm. there's a chance it might be suicide suicide. uh and so basically she was diagnosed in 2015 with bipolar disorder surprised it wasn't earlier but one article said 2015 Mm -hmm. and um she said that she was more on the hypomania side and then would crash after about three months and hit rock bottom. Yeah. Um, so she would then struggle with the depression. Uh, she attempted suicide in 2013. She was sexually abused as a child. Mm-hmm. And that's why the grace ship pisses me off because this like Dolores was like a victim, you know, like that's, that's had a no victim. choice. Yeah. Right. Um, and uh, she was accused of assaulting police officers and a flight attendant in like 2014 or and so. And that was like she was just like mentally ill. Yeah. Like just going through tons of shit. Yeah. So she like, it was like a rage incident they called it. Um, and so I wanted to talk about her for obvious reasons. Sure. Being that it most likely is a suicide. And yeah. there was an article that said she had posted something in December saying how hopeful she was like feeling excited about touring again in the future. With the Cranberries or Solo. With the Cranberries. Not that so they it matters, were, but... No, with the Cranberries. They were doing okay. another tour. I guess they had put out a new album sure. or something. Um, and I saw a parallel because before Stevie... And I, we don't know. Dolores may have not taken her own life. But if she did, mm-hmm. the parallel with Stevie is... Um, but drugs like she, Kevin could be like taking your own life in a sense. Yeah, that's definitely an indirect way of taking your own life. But the Stevie thing, she seemed to be looking forward to things as well. And so her suicide was a, a shock to me on... Mm-hmm in many ways because she had put, she had told me she was getting new headshots. She was like, um, writing a pilot. Like, yeah. you know, she had, she was talking for about acting. the future. Yeah. Right. Mm. And so when someone talks about the future, like Dolores did, it seems like weird to then, you know, that yeah. shows the manic mania type side. Maybe, Absolutely. Yeah. Where she was looking forward to it. And then all of a sudden not, and perhaps committed suicide. Um, and then the F F dat shit is uh, the last thing I do. And, uh, this this guy, um, actually, I don't know if it's a guy or a girl who sent me this. It, um, her or his name is Tamir. You got I'm assuming a nasty that's a guy's letter. name. No, no, no. <laughs> um, Tamir, I don't, I'm assuming that's a dude um, who is also a Patreon supporter. Thank you, Tamir. You're awesome. And so he emailed me this uh, link. He's Canadian. And this story of a judge, a Supreme Court Justice, Gerald Ledane, mm-hmm. he had been diagnosed with depression and then the court made him step down they would no longer let him be a judge because of his uh, depression diagnosis it's like on one hand like i can see it's totally like f dad like he was a very well respected man um who had served for a long time Mm. um so on one hand i can see how devastating or i i I definitely see how devastating and awful it is and it's an f dad shit for sure and then, but then on the other hand, I see why the court would make the decision because in the articles, like we, the, the reputation of the court is of utmost importance. And so if a guy is making decisions based on his mental state, we may lose respect. I get their reasoning, but I do think it's bullshit. It's mm-hmm. like, let the guy, cause basically they were hoping he could go on medication, get better and come back. So why never, can't they put him on meds and just start like, they never let monitor him. I don't know why they never let him go back. And that's why it's an F dat shit. Cause it's like, I think. So you're mad. Um, I feel bad for the guy. I- I'll tell you one more quick thing and then I'll let you go. Yeah, for sure. I have a friend that you know, but I'm not going to say who it is. He would tell me he was suicidal and I would call him and I'd be like, dude, let's talk. And then he'd go, 
He'd laugh. He'd be like, wait, you took my text serious? Like, dude, I'm just fucking around. And I would freak out. And I'd go, don't ever fuck. You know, like, don't. Like, you cannot joke about this shit. Like, I'm here to help you. And I want to help you. But don't, like, play this game like this is no big deal. Yeah. And I think that's the scary thing that we don't understand. That, like, in one moment, somebody can be so depressed. And at the other moment, they can be, like, so motivated to, like, what tomorrow is going to bring. Yeah. Well, I never, I've never said this on the show, but um, I looked back to Stevie and I's first interactions ever mm-hmm. on Instagram. And uh, she said, and this was, I think, probably 2013 or 2014. And we were talking about getting, getting together to do a depression podcast. So, yeah. And so, obviously, I know she has depression. Uh, but she said in the text, and I don't, at this point, what I know of her is the image that is out there you know, of mm-hmm. beautiful, talented, successful, has a lot of followers. I assumed, she, I remember thinking like she probably lived in some like, you know, Hollywood Hills house or something like that. I just assumed her life was this like awesome, perfect thing. And mm-hmm. she wrote um, when she was w- debating going back and forth, whether or not we should do the, the podcast. She said, I don't know. I think I'm, I might just get my Pilates license or commit suicide. It's one or the other. And you think it's a joke. And you, I think you, it's you, a, a joke. I, you know, it's like, I knew her as the image I knew her. I didn't, and I was just like, oh my God, tell me about it. You know, and so that mm-hmm. was the, so when that happens, it's the same as like calling yourself a victim, this grace girl. Yeah. She waters down. So when, when people joke about suicide, which I do, I still do. I still do to this day. I, I'm not the type of person who would never, I never put anything off limits. I think everything can be ball busted on no yeah. matter, no matter what it is. Sure. Um, but like. I, you know, the watering down of the importance of it by just randomly saying you're going to kill yourself Mm. is, um, makes it very muddy waters for people in your life to really know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, because I mean, I've said it a gajillion times, like, oh, I like hate this so much. I'm going to kill myself. But like, sometimes I said it in total passing. Sometimes I've said it in a little bit more of a serious fashion. Yeah. Yeah. So when you say it, you don't really... Well, no. you shared a lot, and I think that's awesome. Yeah. I th- well, I feel like I I this podcast is really important. I just hope one day you just like one thing. Like, uh, I can't tell you what to do. I don't want to mansplain because you use that mansplain. word. But I just wish, like, you I'm know, someday you find this beautiful inner peace with Stevie, and you take all the joy that she gave you in life, and you use it for like, like inspiration and yeah. beauty, and kind of live under her honor and. uh there's that picture of this band I love called The Replacements. They're like my favorite band. You probably never heard of them. I haven't, but I feel oh like my I God, should. They're so good. But this is why I'm like I'm not cool enough. But I, I read know. the book about them, and the you know it's interesting because it's about they were around in the '80s, so a lot of it's the '70s, and it's weird because you you're reading about like it gets really deep into their childhood, and there's a lot of mental illness and sexual abuse and stuff. From one of the members was like molested by his dad, and you get into. Uh, it's really weird. Like you, you read about like families with brothers killing themselves. Yeah. Like not one brother, but two. And this is also oh, wow. a time when there was no, there wasn't meds or antidepressants and, and the singer's best friend committed suicide. And he was like this rebellious guy in high school that like kind of was like cool. Like he was a great athlete, but then he got out of sports and he was just wanted to be a rock and roller. And he just took with this guy, gave him like his attitude of life and his, his being in, and you know, and 
I guess iconoclast is a good word to use, like a, you know, like the anti-hero. And he just took with what his friend had and he just ran with it and like kind of lived out what that guy meant to him because he was always That's like awesome. the geek. And I'm not saying you're a geek, but I'm saying like I just hope yeah, one like, day you I know you, mean. you live out the beautiful thing that Stevie brought to you and you know, just you know, with when she was super happy, like and gave you great friendship and you just find like that beautiful inner peace. It's gonna be hard though. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Definitely. You're gonna make me cry. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. That's all right. I actually um I've joked now, I feel like whenever someone comes on my podcast I make them sadder, but I feel like you've made me sadder, but in like a good way. Yeah, I mean you know, it's I, all motivating. It's all like eye opening sadness. I still feel like you have like this really sorry to say this at work. Like you got work to do. Like I got work yeah, to do. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, like, definitely just like of like of of just like but you have so much life to give, but like if you can do this like work of like taking off these tough layers of shit that you've dealt with in life and you can make it into something like super cool. And you are with the podcast. This podcast don't, I mean, I'm telling you there's tons of people who are listening that like they wait for when it comes out and Uh it means the world to them. So, and they need to hear this shit because again, like with my buddy Kevin, like if they're feeling really mentally or like they're feeling like they're can't get out of bed or they're lethargic and they're depressed, like there's not a lot of compassion for them. No. And you give them compassion. Well, I feel like you're giving me too much credit, but thank you and I'll take it. All right. Well, fine. <laughs> um, and I was going to start doing a pep talk at the end of the show, but you, that was a great pep talk. No, so. you go for it. No, I'll, no, I'm no. I'll do, up. I'll do, cause we're, this has been long now. So we'll do, I'll do a pep talk from Jesse for next week. Maddie, that was an awesome pep talk. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm this is a better episode than the one that we got. Yeah. That, I'm glad that, that we lost. had to redo it. Yeah. And it's intimate on couches. It's better in... in With a, dogs knocking shit over. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, what's your book? No IQ? Yeah, get the new one, No IQ. I can't believe how many people... I put a thing on Instagram about it, and like I sold a bunch of them, not to... to That's awesome. I'm happy, because usually sometimes I nobody buys, nobody reads anymore, so... Yeah. Maddie Goldberg, at Maddie Goldberg 1 on Twitter. That's all plug, and you can... DM me if you want to get the book. But there's no IQ, and then the one before and the, that is brain humor. And brain, and brain and humor. And in no IQ, I write a, a very long essay about my friend Kevin who passed, and I get really into detail about depression and going through that, and like our friendship and how fun and crazy it was, and the ups and downs. I've got your book on my nightstand next to my bed. I sent you that picture. Yeah, did you actually read it? Or? I've read pieces. I didn't read the no Kevin thing. Nobody reads. It's the last chapter. It's, I'll read the last chapter. Yeah, it, it might it will hit you because it will remind you of your friend and yeah. whatnot and like the the highs and lows of like you know going through something like this. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for being so open and for being such a good therapist to me. I I I hope you find a better therapist. <laughs> You'll be fine though. You're doing amazing. Thank you. And if you guys want to support the show on Patreon, please do go to Patreon.com/slash/MentallyChill. And uh, $2, $5, $10 a month it makes a huge difference in the show and in my life, believe it or not. It's huge. So please go to patreon.com slash mentally chill. And uh, remember to stay sad enough to listen, but not too sad. We'll see you next time. <laughs>